Hi, Courtney. How are you? Hey, how are you, Mark? I'm doing well. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. This is <laughs> exciting. Um, where are you from, Courtney? I am, well, I'm from Wisconsin, but I'm oh. living in Nebraska now. Oh, okay. I yeah. love I love Wisconsin. Um, they have great cheese, and I love the accent. I did. I don't hear a Wisconsin accent from you. Um, you might catch it. It it comes out sometimes. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, let's go to Grandpa's oh, yeah. Cheese Barn and get some squeakers. Oh yeah, you know. Like <laughs> um, you might hear that. I do the oh yeah sometimes. Well, good. So. That's that's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> what what prompted the move to Nebraska? My husband is actually going to school at the university now. Oh, okay. And what what is he studying? He's studying music. Oh, so he's like... actually going for his doctorate in saxophone. Wow, a doctorate! That's awesome. Um, and what does he want to do with that? Does he want to perform? Does he want to teach? Uh... He wants to teach. Uh, okay, at the university level. Yep. Okay. Yep. Wow. Well, that's excellent. Um, how far along is he in, into his PhD program? This is his last semester. So <gasps> ah, <almost> there. <laughs> nice. Now, does he have to do like a dissertation or is it more of a performance or does he have to write music as, as his dissertation? How, how does that work? So he'll have to do a dissertation and then he also has to do a lecture recital. Um, so he's always had to do recitals pretty much every semester, but this last one <clears> is more talking about the piece and how to perform it, things like that. And then okay. um, the dissertation on top of that. And the dissertation so is, is the performance itself as the actual piece of music or is it, is it, is he doing like a academic theory and those, those kinds of things? It's, um, it could be essentially whatever you want it to be. It does have to be a full paper. The performance is just completely separate, Okay, but he's doing his, um, on, one piece of music and breaking down like three different movements and how to perform them and the different elements of it. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Um, well, fantastic. What, why choose the university of Nebraska as, um, as a place to go for the PhD? We went to a couple of different schools and a lot of times with music, well, I I'm sure everywhere at the doctoral level, you mm -hmm. want to know, your professor and your advisor sure. specifically because that's who you're going to be working with mm -hmm. and so he met with his um his saxophone professor and they got along really well so um that's kind of that kind of connection really yeah pulls uh, you in, I think. it makes a huge difference it, it really mm -hmm. does at that level because you're going to be working so intimately um and 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 at, at the ph level you you're not quite but almost peers and, mm -hmm. and so that's important to, uh, to have yeah. that. Awesome. Um, immediately some things came to mind and I don't know if, <laughs> if, if your husband would appreciate these or not, but is he going to go by like, he's got to somewhere say like Dr. Sachs. I mean, you just have oh. to put that a tattoo or a sticker or something after he gets his PhD, he's got to celebrate <laughs> that in some like fantastic way like that. Well, he's, he's got a funny, he said, everyone has to call him Dr. Lillard at least once. Okay. Everyone, yes. Family, friends, whoever. Right. Yes. That, that's the reason to get a PhD. You can lord it over everyone. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Excellent. Um, yeah. I, I would think if, 
if I were doing one, knowing my sense of humor would come in. Have you seen the movie The Lost Boys about mm-hmm. the vampires? There's that yep. scene where you get the saxophone player. He's all <laughs> muscular and all greased up. Like, you have to bring that into the pieces somewhere, somehow, yeah. you know? <laughs> Even as, like, this is the perception of saxophone players. Um, you know, I wonder how much they hear that, hear those things. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> right. Because um, I think, I'm trying to remember other saxophone players, Kenny G, um, and then Clarence Clemens, and and uh the saxophone guy from lost boys that's that's like the only three <laughs> saxophone players i know oh and the song baker street i don't know who played saxophone oh, yeah. on that song but said that yeah yeah i remember that being like really big in popular culture like everyone i knew like wanted to learn how to play saxophone just to play that riff you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome well kudos to your husband for going through that program I, that's really uh, that's really wonderful <laughs> thank you <laughs> So do you like Nebraska being out in the big, the big prairie, the, the corn state? Yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of corn, but it's, uh, it's a very nice, quieter place, quieter state. Cause we've been all over too. We went to school in Illinois and lived there. And then, like I said, I'm from Wisconsin. He's from Missouri. Um, not the cities there, but a very small town. So we've kind of been both in bigger places and then, the smaller so Lincoln's actually one of the bigger places but it's very spread out Mm -hmm. if that makes sense sure um yeah like Milwaukee is Milwaukee is kind of like that yes yep just like that so yeah it's it's nice it's familiar too well good well that's great Mm -hmm. that's great well um if if you are ready we uh we can get right into the the show if that's all right with you yep sounds good excellent Hey, this is Mark Justice, and welcome back to Between the Lines. Tonight's show is going to be a lot of fun. I'd like to introduce Courtney Lillard. Courtney is a fantasy writer, um, and we're going to have a lot of fun together. So, Courtney, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Mark. Um, I, I love doing this show because I get to meet so many interesting writers. And I was looking over at your books, and I like that you write fantasy. And um, I have friends who write fantasy, and and every writer I get to talk to, um, I am just amazed at things about their creative process. So I'm I'm really excited to kind of dig into all these things. Um, but let's kind of go back to like a, a big picture question, something from like maybe childhood. Um, growing up, who were your favorite writers? Definitely, I think when I started beginning fantasy, it was Mercedes Lackey. And mm-hmm. I actually specifically remember when I picked up her book and what what drew me in, it was her Take a Thief book. And if you're not familiar with her series, she uses, they're essentially spirits in the form of horses, and white horses specifically. And I remember seeing on the side cover, they had the white horse on there and I pulled it out and then I, I kind of took a look. And so that pulled me in and I started reading her books and she has, I mean, dozens of books too. So um, I have a collection on my bookshelf of, of just her books. So that first and foremost, she drew me in. Um, I also liked reading um, Christopher Palin, Palin um, with the Aragon series. Oh, okay. So, it's um, the dragon, right? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. I remember seeing those. Yes. 
mm-hmm. they were popular for and they had a movie and everything so yeah yeah <laughs> um they they're very entertaining um and stick with me i have those that series as well and i also like um just kind of the classics too i think i'm more of a classics reader now than a fantasy reader i still have a, a whole lot of books to read still but um I, I do like Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park book is general fiction. That's one of my favorites. Um, I've been getting into Charles. I've been getting into a lot of, of different books. I've read The Last Unicorn. Um, I have The Princess Bride sitting on, on my nightstand. Oh, mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. a few different ones that I want to explore. Yeah, I, I found um, The Last Unicorn. It was a, a novel I had to read actually when I was an undergrad. I was taking oh, really? a fantasy literature course. Okay. and um, I wasn't really pleased that we were reading The Last Unicorn, you know, when there was so many, so much other fantasy out there. I was like, come on. Um, <laughs> but I had a crush on our teacher. So I'm like, okay, I'll let her pick the Uh-oh. last unicorn. So, you know, <laughs> that'll, do it. that'll do it. I was like, yeah, that, that's fine. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, and I, I remember reading a princess, uh, princess bride book because i love the movie i mean it's just one of those perfect mm-hmm. movies and noticing how different the novel is in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. i think you'll i'm not sure i don't want to spoil anything for you it's just different and and um okay. so yeah so so some of the classics like like jurassic park um did you like the novel compared to the movie or uh did you like the novel better or the movie better I personally like the novel better and I can, I can get into this cause I'm a huge, I love that. I grew up loving uh, dinosaurs and nice. um, paleontology and everything. So um, I actually read that book the my senior year of high school because it was required, um, required really? reading project. Interesting. Wow. That's, and, <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. Um, how, who, who passed that? Someone must have been a huge dinosaur <laughs> fan. Like, yeah, let's make the kids read that one. I bet that would have been a, a tough sell for everybody. Well, you, yeah, right. You wouldn't think um, about reading that, but it was a very interesting experience because the our our teacher had to um, split us up into groups. So every every group of two or three people had a book, and then you did a presentation on it. Okay. And they had a list of a list of books that you could choose. And I remember looking at it and just thinking, you know, none of these really stick out. It was, um, I know Catcher in the Rye was, was oh, one. Good um, for the school. Just kind I of mean, the class. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. yeah Cause that's, that book is banned in a lot of schools. I mean, sadly mm-hmm. books are being banned. I mean, it's like we're living oh, in Nazi Germany or something, but right. um, yeah. Catcher in the Rye is one of those you know seminal books that I think every teenager needs to read, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah kudos to your school uh so when you saw jurassic park you're like ah, that's the one <laughs> like, I, movie. I know i can do this and, uh, Fantastic. It's, a, it's a it's more graphic um mm-hmm. much more graphic but just talking about books compared to movie i mean the movie does fantastic with the cgi but then you look at the story side of it i mean the book just is is so much better in that regard but i i enjoyed them both yeah i um I, what was your presentation on that they had to do for Jurassic Park? If you oh, remember, I think it was the the book summary. Oh, it okay. wasn't anything. Okay, fancy. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> I would probably have done something like um, go into graphic detail about 
each of the dinosaurs and the kind of damage uh, they would oh, do to a, yeah. a human mouth. <laughs> you know, how many pounds of pressure? And <laughs> I would probably get the whole like, the teacher be like, okay, Mark Allen, you know, <laughs> just like my mom or grandma. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, that's fantastic. Good for your school. So you, so you, you, you obviously love reading. You have the stack of books that you, you want to get to, um, you know, there's something magical, you know, to that. The reading, I think is one of the best gifts, gifts that a child can receive. Um, I was read to from infancy, maybe the womb, and could read before I went to kindergarten. And um, so I'm like in kindergarten, and the kids were like learning our ABCs. I'm like, why aren't these kids like, don't, why don't they know how to read, you know? And uh, so, so it's just something that, uh, you know, and it just, it just spurred my love for reading as a voracious reader as a kid. And, um, you know, classics, like a lot of H.G. Wells and um those kinds of science fiction classics and mary shelley's frankenstein and and uh, you know the horror stuff is what appealed to me mm -hmm. so you know, and um but yeah reading there's just something magical about that and getting a new book and being able to like just fall into it you know for, yeah. for sure so what uh what first made you want to be uh, a writer or what first drew you um, to writing? <laughs> I'd have to go back. It's been at least a decade since I started coming up with ideas. And I had always had ideas. I actually thought about going into animation just because, um, you know, the visual storytelling of it appealed to me. And I didn't even think about putting those ideas together um, until I started college. Um, and I kind of wrote here and there in my notebooks during class sometimes in my free time, all the any time. Sure. And um, it, it really picked up when I graduated. I graduated um, from Western Illinois University with my master's degree in communication studies. And after I graduated, my husband still had another year because we both we both went to school there. Um, we both uh started together but he had an extra year so anyway I, I finished first and then I had all this free time I'd been working here and here and there just to kind of fill the time um, but I really didn't have too much to do in my free time and so I thought well that's something I enjoyed and I started reading because I had all this time and that's great when you have time to read all that all that yes. you want right. um, so I started writing and I actually started writing what's going to be the fourth book of of the series that I'm writing now, which is called the Dark Angel series. And I started at the very end and then went back to the beginning and started writing from the first book on. Well, I didn't actually think about publishing it until we moved to Nebraska a couple of years later. And I thought, well, you know, why not publish it? Why not try? And it had always been something on my bucket list to publish a book and just kind of put something out in the world. And that's really when I when I fell in love when you get to the editing and you you know find go through it with a fine-tooth comb and realize that you kind of have something something great something that fits together and uh, it really is a confidence booster too and you have a great support system with you yeah that's great um yeah, you're touching on things that I definitely want to want to talk about, which is exciting because you're you're already there. So, um, yeah, I understand that process and how how thrilling it can be, you know. And it's interesting that you 
that you focus on the revision as when it was exciting for you um, because and I as someone who uh, I understand the importance of re revision but it's not nearly as exciting as like the generation <laughs> process so no I this, that's that's what I love doing the, about the show is is finding everyone and all the every writer is got such a different way of looking at things and their process is different but we all kind of end at the same place and sure. that that's what I find uniquely fascinating and um so I'm I'm just thrilled to, to learn all this you know so, I'm, I'm sure I'm an outlier in that too I'm sure nobody likes the the editing revision part <laughs> well you know I don't know because you said the way you said it was this is where you see things kind of come together and you mm -hmm. often don't know what you have until you've written it you know, it, it, it's just like you kind of you're you're pouring your sand into the box, but you don't you don't really necessarily how um, the you know the shape is 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 really fine tuned in that revision process, and um, so no, I I kind of I kind of get that because then you you if, if you're objective enough and if you give it enough time and distance between your draft and your revision then you kind of see what you were trying to do and you you see how far or how short you came of your perfect vision and then you're when you when you can put that more perfect aspect up or and, and fine-tune it to make it closer to what you want now that is very satisfying it's just uh sometimes you, you just get that um when you see how much you have to rewrite, rewrite, it's like, uh, it can be defeating in a way. Oh, but, yeah. But <laughs> yes. But when you approach it as like, I'm making this better and hopefully making it better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, no, I, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. It's just not a fun process, but it's a necessary process. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, what made you want to write fantasy as a genre as opposed to like general fiction um or you know the next jurassic park or anything like that well i i've thought about delving into different genres maybe in the future um but i think fantasy has just had the most impact on me growing up so i had always had these ideas in my head and this is the first series that I started or the first series of books. And so at the time it was more of, well, let's just get it down on paper and see how it sounds, how it looks. And once I started, then you just keep going and going and um, it picks up a little bit. So I do have some different ideas. I think I'm also more familiar with fantasy. Like I said, I grew up with it, not only through books, but also through media as well. So, um, through movies or through video games, especially, mm -hmm. you just kind of pick up on those and, and that becomes familiar. That's what you're more comfortable delving into as opposed to if I did start writing general fiction, then you'd have to know, okay, different, it has to be a little more accurate, especially with, with anything that's uh, placed in, in the real world, in the modern right. world. Right. Uh, yes. You have to take a lot more into account, whereas fantasy, you can, you make it up as you go and it's, it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to do as, a, as opposed to, you know, doing, uh, you know, research, um, mm -hmm. you know, which, which often happens, um, you know, with writing. So that's, that's good. And I don't know about you. I find myself when books come out, I see people writing these novels that are about 
subject matters that I would I would just never want to read about, like like drama, you know, right. relationships, um, things like that. Because I've always been a genre reader, you know, and give me the something, the scary, the spooky, the fun, the the, the, mm-hmm. the fantasy, you know. And I'm like, how how on earth do you, would you write this multi generational book about family? dysfunction like god that just sounds so you know um and these relationships as a as a creative person i'm like you know or as a as a consumer i'm like uh, it's just like the furthest thing from um but what i've what i've noticed my my first series is a cozy mystery series which i never would have written had i I, you know it's just not not something i would normally have worked in Mm -hmm. but the second book in that it's a four book series based on the seasons this one is the spring book and I'm using Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a character uh, arc. And so the main character started at the bottom and she had lost her job and now she, you know, now her needs have been met. So she's moving up in this next book to where she's doing the whole like connections to other people and relationships and belonging and where do I fit in all this? And it's a, it's a messy kind of thing. And I find myself like writing the very thing that as a reader, I would be like, what do you mark what what the hell are you doing writing this relationship stuff you know um because she's just overthinking and you know i'm trying to show the the ugly middle you know uh, the beginning's yeah. nice and the ending's always nice but the middle is like eh. um and i just started i had to laugh at myself like you know you you would never read this would you I'm like no but it's gonna be fun writing it and just shut up you know? maybe I- you doing it too and not not what you would perceive other people would make it out too so I don't know maybe that's a part of it yeah I I don't know what it is it's it's because when I came up with the story I knew it had to be more than just the basic story because there's no murder there's no murder in these books there's no bloodshed um there are mysteries there's an ongoing Mm -hmm. kind of connection between all four books um but it, it it really because the town is a is a and the characters are all I think part of the charm of the book, you know, small town. And mm-hmm. I wanted to tell their stories. And since the 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 concept of the whole series is called Seasons Change, this aspect of sometimes change is thrust upon us and it's uncomfortable to change. And it's not always it doesn't always feel good, but at the end of the day, change can be good. You know, can get us out of our ruts and things that we weren't even aware of that we were in. And so this that's the themes that I'm working with. And so it's about people being pushed out uh, in in some way, be to confront things that need to be changed. Because um, that's something I I've always hated and resisted against. <laughs> um, like, don't make me change. Um, so I think it's kind of fun for me. Like, uh, you know, it's therapeutic to write all this stuff out. Right. <laughs> but I'm, but I have to laugh at myself because I know I'm writing something that I would otherwise never probably want to read that aspect of that. Mm-hmm. But um, so I don't know. Did you ever have you ever felt that way as a writer? Like you find yourself writing things that your reader self would probably say, eh, I don't know if I would get this. <laughs> Sometimes I do. The biggest thing that I struggle with is romantic relationships because that's just something I never I never care for reading because yes. it's so a lot of it is just so bloated or over the top or dramatic and right. um one one of the examples um 
with a throne of glass sarah j moss's throne of glass series that's one of the where they have the love triangle between every in between the action and you know it's great that you have the character development but when it spans seven books and you know i someone I, someone make a decision <laughs> piss or get off the pot right someone. exactly and, <laughs> and you get more people introduced and then more oh. relationships and it just the triangle the, becomes an octagon then exactly. then we're getting interesting <laughs> right okay and some people find that interest, and that's great you know if, if you enjoy that i recommend right. it sure. um but i one of the things and i get this too from family and friends who have read the book and feel comfortable or my books and feel comfortable uh bringing up the relationships that I, I, I don't specifically say, or I might hint mm -hmm. at them, um, but they're more personal relationships because I believe that's more realistic sure. just from my point of view. Yeah. Uh, well, now I'm writing the sixth book and there are romantic relationships. And so uh -huh. it's, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I haven't read them and the ones that I have read, I don't believe they're realistic. So I, I try and base it off of, off of what I consider uh, a healthy or uh, I guess not always healthy, but um, what I consider romantic relationships to be as, as realistic as possible. So that's one thing I'm, I'm interested to see when, uh, when the beta readers go through it or again, family and friends, but sure. I, I get that a lot of, Oh, you know, they're going to end up together, right. <laughs> or, Oh, they're, you know, they dance together. So they're, you know, shipping them and yes. shrug the, and roll your eyes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes, it's, it's a, it's very, it's very gratifying in one way and rewarding and humbling that people have invested so much into the characters you created. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's surprising. I, I, I did like a book club with some friends um, who read because my book is based on the town I grew up in, in Ohio. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of the people who still live there or have connections there, they like, in my class from my high school, like in mass, like bought this book and had like this book club meeting, which I thought was so, oh. so sweet, you know, <laughs> really? and they were talking like, I remember this place because all the places are geographically where they would be in the town. And, oh, wow. and yeah, so it's kind of like all my memories of the, of growing up there are through the main character, you know, like, yeah, I, the soda shop where she goes to get her phosphates that has been around since like the 1920s. It's like, oh my still God. there, you know? Yeah. That's so. Amazing. Oh, I, sorry, you're breaking up. Oh, I said, that's amazing. That's oh, great. thank you. Yeah, good. My mom went there when she was a kid. and I went there when I was a kid. So that memory is still very present. And so, of course, my main character is going to have to go and get a phosphate, you know. <laughs> um, so for them, this this was very much identifiable. And for people who grew up in a small towns, very identifiable. Mm -hmm. But what I notice is the main character has, um, she has a, a, a lifelong friend they met when they were like 10 um his name is ray and they just are like the best buddies and and they they have this good time and he's he teases or they tease one another but there's mm -hmm. like nothing like romantic or sexual at all um but that teasing has been interpreted to be flirtation <laughs> by a lot of people and and just like your experience at the book club meeting and i've heard other people writing me saying so when are Ray and uh, Abby going to get together? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I start laughing. I go, what? They go, yeah, obviously he's flirting with her. And I'm like, <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm bringing him all my romance 
would be like something that H.P. Lovecraft would write. Have you read Lovecraft at all? Mm-mm. Okay. He's a horror writer from the 20s and 30s. Um, and his his romance usually happens like if there's a sexual union between people, it usually ends up in like deformity, you know, or cannibals, you know, things like that. It's just, it's not going to work out. And so um, I was just like stunned because the relationship that I was trying to capture was like the kind that I've had like more of a familial like with my cousins there's a lot of love and teasing and joking and that was the memories that I was bringing to this relationship and I've had a lot of friends you know women who are friends and and it's loving relationship but it's not romantic or sexual and and so for me it was like it obviously they can be friends you know what's wrong with that um but because of the they were so adamant about like they're gonna get together right and I keep on saying no they're not they're going no no they will I'm like so now I'm like okay I have to play with this knowing that people oh, want yeah. this and so I am totally like making Abby like something happens that causes her to go do I have feelings for Ray <laughs> a normal <laughs> I would never have done that had it not been for that audience that reader response because right. now I'm like oh I can I can just I can just twist it here and have fun, you know. Is that wrong? <laughs> That's interesting, though, to get that feedback and say, "Oh, you know, people are interested in in that," or it could happen. Mm-hmm. Right, and, it, and my explanations didn't satisfy them. I'm like, I'm the writer. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, I think they're going to be together at the end. I'm like, oh. oh, no, they're not. But okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, no, that's great. I, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one getting feedback like you're getting from people who are honest to tell you what they think of the book and to show that they're committed. That, that is a deeply mm-hmm. wonderful feeling and um, surprising, you know, and, and gratifying. And uh, Absolutely. You know, I, yeah, it leaves me very, feeling very grateful that someone would spend money to buy my book <laughs> and, and read it mm-hmm. and then tell me what they think, you know, <laughs> um, without flipping me off you know <laughs> so i mean they could do that too i'd, I'd be fine with that um at least it's honest <laughs> right yeah 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 True. um what makes a good fantasy story to you that's an interesting question because a lot of times it either follows a system or it doesn't or one element of the story weighs more heavily than the others. So I think a lot of it is based on your personal preference for books. So like we just mentioned, for me, romance isn't so big, but I think character relationships are huge with the books, whether or not you like the characters, as long as they have some sort of development, as long as they have relationships with other characters. I I think it's funny because a lot of people told me they don't like the protagonist in my first book and I said well you know just just give it a little bit because you yeah. have to have something you can't have it all happen you know in the right. blink of an eye to have this character development yes. so right. I think I think that's one of the more important aspects of uh, of any story whether it's fantasy or horror or anything um, specific to fantasy I think you have to have some sort of magical element just because it, it mm-hmm. differentiates fantasy from just general fiction um definitely from nonfiction. yeah even magical <laughs> realism is fantasy 
to a degree yep. if you're taking it like that, which is an interesting genre in itself of itself. You know, the magical realism, it seems like a, an, an oxymoron, um, but there is something, there is something to that. that exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you like the tropes? Which are the tropes that you like about fantasy that you wanted to bring into your books and which ones did you want to avoid? A lot of the ones that I bring in, I find, um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, video games. This is the best comparison mm-hmm. I, I can make. I, I like video games. I've been, I've, uh, I've been okay. playing for a long time. I had an Atari 2600, so yeah. I, oh. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not so much of, I'm like, expert. I'm an old school video game player and I played, I played, you know, Space Invaders at the arcade. So, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm aware of games, but I, I, I haven't played anything. I'm aware of like stuff that's out there in the, but I haven't really played a, a good video game. Probably, I think I stopped at like Resident Evil Three and Silent Hill Two, and you know, I just, it's just something I just haven't done very much of lately. Sure. Um, well, if you're familiar with the Final Fantasy series, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I took a lot of inspiration as far as the mages go, which is also some in- interesting feedback I got back too. Um, in my story, there's light and dark mages that wield light and dark magic, but they work in tandem with each other. Um, and I had a couple people tell me when they read through it that it was interesting how you know, light mages, you would think, oh, they're the good guys. And then dark mm-hmm. mages, oh, they're the bad guys. And to me, that just didn't make any sense because I'm so used to the the video games where they work together, where you play as those characters. So that that was one that was interesting. Um, I don't know if you would consider it a trope specifically, mm-hmm. um, but I think one that is interesting that I haven't delved into and I would like to in the future it's just something I never considered would be uh the introduction of magical creatures okay so you would think that's that's something that is well it is specific to fantasy like, but like something that ma- by magical creature you mean like ogres and trolls and werewolves or are you talking about yeah. like um dragons and such or all, 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 of it. all of it okay all of it. Mm-hmm. okay um, so I guess creature wise um race wise anything elves relating and to all those, those kinds of things mm-hmm. okay right okay i have different ideas for different series but for this one specifically i just mm-hmm. it's not something considered it was very human grounded character driven um mm-hmm. but not not creature no you know there are no dragons or unicorns or anything like that yeah um so that's one that i i didn't specifically stay away from it but i think once i realized i didn't have it i i didn't want to shoehorn in any sort of right okay well i don't have anything so throw it in for the you know for the crowd so that yes. they have something some sort of creature in there um, right it was kind of like game of thrones two. in a way game of thrones had the dragons but those were so removed from the fantastical, you know, and the walkers, but it was still a human drama, you know, right. with, with fantastic elements in the periphery. Right. Um, so I think, I think that's something that, like I said, I would like to explore mm-hmm. more in the future, especially since a lot of the books that I do enjoy in, in the fantasy series have those elements. So it just, it's, it just kind of blows my mind, honestly, <laughs> thinking about how I, I never thought about including any right. sort of whether it's a sidekick or a different race or anything like that. Sure. But those are the two that come to mind. Okay. 
No, that's great. I mean, for writing character-driven stories, that's that's what takes over, you know, and that becomes the setting is is it could be the fantastic, and the characters are grounded in in that world, and and they're they're real, you know. The, the reality is has elements of magic or something in them, um, and I like I like that you were kind of playing with this this idea of the good and the bad wizards, because um, I think it's more of a really a matter of perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and back in the day when I was in college, I was, um, I knew some witches and, uh, they invited me to their, to their coven, um, just to see, you know, and these were like very, I would consider like the, um, Wiccan kind of white witch, witchcraft. And, um, I just was curious just you know, just to see, having growing and left like the church and trying to get away from Christianity. I was like, let's taste it all, you know? Um, And yeah, why not? And what I found is I saw also, to me, that wasn't impressive. They were, you know, they could have the crystals and the rocks and nothing against their belief. I I was just trying to find something more, um, I guess, like intense. Like I want to shoot fire out of my hands. Who can do that for me? (laughs) You know, like that kind of magic, because that's my, you know, I watched the movie um, Warlock with Julian Sands. I'm like, I want to do that. (laughs) And then I saw some witches who were on the other side. They were considered themselves doing black magic. And um, and I, what I found out is that the white witches didn't like the black, you know, not, not color, race, just the white magicians didn't like the, the ones who practiced black magic um, because they were evil. And then the ones who practice black magic thought that the white witches were hypocrites because they were all doing magic you know and i just found that that relationship and that antagonism from the different perspectives to be just uh kind of wonderful you know i'm like oh i i never considered that um you know before so that's uh that's great you know yeah so um you know, not saying that you have to take that, but the fact that you kind of play with that, that's what reminded me of, of you do, it's not what you would expect the response to be from these groups, you know? Right. And um, so, uh, okay, well, going back to your writing and your fantasy, the act of writing, how do you know when you've written written something fantastic? You know, the idea of the fantastic or fantasy, is there a moment when you're writing something where you go, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, my process, a lot of the time, I, like I said, I've spent at least a decade just with these ideas sitting in my head and music is a huge influence on my writing. Um, a lot of times I will just, I can just listen to music, sit on, sit on an idea and just let it play on repeat in my head and, and build on that story. So to me, it's almost like I have everything set up in my head before I sit down to write. And in those moments, one, it makes writing so much easier because then you, I run into writer's block sometimes, but it helps avoid that when you know what you want to write and what you want the scene to be. And so after I finish a scene and I feel like I was able to put everything down clearly to where I can envision it and um, where I feel like I got all of the information, all that I wanted out of it. That's personally when I feel like it, it reaches that point. Okay. 
so it sounds like going into you know you said you've had these thoughts you've been thinking about them developing them um your organization then it, it sounds like you you are a, a plotter in that regard yeah. or so how does that how do you organize when you write things down is it just an idea and then you kind of flesh it out like a lister does um do you do you draw it out on a paper like all the things that you want to do and like show the relationships are you a visual kind of planner or um what is your process to organization i'm very much an outliner when i sit down i'll have different because it has the perspective switches so i will write down one perspective write down just a paragraph or two of the next perspective just so i have a general idea um, and it's not too detailed but if there's something that i don't have in my head or you know that i don't characterize with with that specific scene i can put it down so i won't forget it mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't know what you're missing and until you're writing you know mm -hmm. like you think you have an outline that covers all the bases and then you realize when you're writing like oh that's an idea i've not i've not come across or you think of something new you're allowed you know you go on those tangents as you write you know yeah. um okay that's marvelous the last couple of writers i've talked to have been all pantsers and so i'm glad that i could take a break now with someone who plots um, i feel really good <laughs> uh because in my my plotting and organizing like that i'm a lister um mm -hmm. and, and an outliner okay came from years of academia and, and teaching English composition and being a student also. And, uh, you know, the, the academic writing, as your husband knows, you have to have a orderly, cogent order and coherent yep. thesis yep. and paper. <laughs> and I, I always brought that into, uh, it was a natural, very organic for me to bring that into my process when I started writing mm -hmm. my long fiction. And um, so, and it, you know, starts off with just a basic idea and then as ideas come i just write them down and then oh you when you feel like you have enough pieces then you start putting them into a you know an order and yeah. then that's when i start seeing gaps like okay i need something more here what could i do you know yeah and then by the time my outline is done like how long is your typical outline like for your oh. like when it's finished it, it ranges between usually like three or four because i'll just do what's next it's the major um, major right parts right mm -hmm. okay okay yeah i i find my outlines getting longer with the long books um like the one yeah. i'm doing now the second of the cozy series my outline's like 20 23 pages 26 pages something like that. um color coded you know but it also has like big chunks of dialogue and and in it too from that i've written um that i could just like transfer over into that scene you know but yeah it's interesting. Um, no, I, I like that because the when, no matter how how much of an outline you have, even though people gasp like, "Oh, twenty six pages," I said, "But yeah, but that still doesn't. You still have to put word after word after word, you know, yeah. to kind of get from point A to B to C, you know, all the way through a chapter or a section. You know, <laughs> you still have to kind of build that wall slowly, and that that's where all that discovery happens, you know, as you write." Right. And do you write from, are you beginning to end or do you write different parts and put them in together? Um, well, before I start drafting, I, I write different parts. Sometimes I'll know the end. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll know things and I'll do as much as I can. All the pre-writing finally ends up into the form of the outline. And then when I start finally like, drafting, I start from the beginning and work my way through. 
and because um, it helps me to keep something that I'm building towards and it keeps my mind like, okay, here's what I just wrote and here's what's going to happen in this chapter. And so I sometimes will try to make the connections or continue the thought because all the books I write, at least for the cozy series, um, take place in a week, a week's time. So I had to go every day, the things that happen and, and try to crunch mm -hmm. in this, this incredible personal journey <laughs> as well <laughs> as like solving this mystery um, and introducing a bunch of new characters and you know, <laughs> all these things. I'm like, man, maybe a week was, maybe it's just not enough time because <laughs> I'm like cramming like 15 things into a week. Like, that's just too many things going on <laughs> um, into this magical week, uh, right? So yeah, but once I start writing, I, it's beginning to end. Um, okay. And yeah, and that's because I, I I feel like I can since I know how it's going to end, I can do those kind of breadcrumbs and the foreshadowing more successfully <laughs> than realizing something happened. Like, oh, how do I go backtrack and then? do something three chapters before that will suggest what's going to happen later. Right. Yeah. And so right. it's, it's just, that's just how it feels better for me. Yeah. Okay. But thank you for asking. Sure. Let's talk about um, the concept of world building. You've created this fantasy place and it's a character driven fiction, but these characters have to have a world to live in. So how do you go about designing your world? I think world building is one of one of the things that I'm trying to work on, because um, frankly, I I don't go into it with the world in mind. So I talk about how I have the plot, I have the characters and everything, you know, different scenes in my head, but I don't think of the wider world. So when I started with the first book, it actually, I think my style or my process of world building is branching out as the story progresses or as the books continue. So the first book takes place in partly the magical academy, partly in the capital city and the palace there. And so that's the first book. The second book is more in the capital city and exploring that and then exploring one of the military bases that's to the south, um, some of the towns along the way. And then by the third book, the protagonist is exploring the whole country, you know, and it just sort of branches out from there. Um, I think a lot of how I do it is based on what I know. Um, I've realized that I formed the country sort of like the United States in shape wise. Um, and then with uh, a country to the north, you know, that gets explored more in uh, the fifth and the sixth book. So it just expands. So it's not set up right away. And that's one of the things that I'd like to play with because I don't, um, as far as drawing people in, I know a lot of people, you want that right away. You want mm -hmm. everything explained and described to you sure. instead of slowly peeling back what the world is like right you um, exp you get to know the world as the characters do because it sounds like you're developing parts of the world as needed right and the, and the yeah. reader's kind of getting that so do you do you have like a map in the in the in their in your books like you know every fantasy book has to have a map right like here's right. the world right i have one designed i just haven't put it into the books yet sure. um i i'd like to get it professionally i've tried doing the the sites mm -hmm. are by hand and it just <laughs> it doesn't look as good as it probably could so. mm -hmm. there are <laughs> some programs for that like if you ever want to try it like a, there's a couple map drawing programs like campaign cartographer for people who do like role-playing games and you can produce some really lovely maps that are like old style like 
you know, look like it's drawn on on parchment and things like that. So that's just an option if you know for you. I've tried what is it? I think it's like ink ink card or ink something with ink. Um, but it, it's like one of those programs, but it okay. just there's so much to it that I I feel like I'd have to sit down and, and yeah learn there's a learning curve. And, yes. And yeah. Uh, certainly. So. Yeah, I get it. Um because that's something that I didn't do for um, because, you know, in my, my cozy, because I was, it was very limited in a few places. Okay. And I realized as I expand the story and more places, I'm trying to incorporate more places in this town. I'm like, eventually I'm going to need a map. And mm -hmm. I draw one only because I have to keep straight where like what the streets are called. Cause I forget <laughs> like what street was the library on again, you know, or, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know where kind of things are relative to one another but I haven't like sometimes think like, oh, I gotta, I gotta come up with a street name. And I'm trying not to use the actual street names from the town, but kind of suggestions of, of the town, um, sure. you know? So I'm like oh, scrambling. So I got this like legal pad. And I'm like always drawing out this map. I'm like, okay, where's the town? And okay, you know, so if by the last book, I plan on having the finally the map of Juniper. So everyone can, um, you know, know where everything is. You know? Sure. Yeah. I think y'all end up just throwing that map in the in the last book too and adding it later on, especially since that's when you know the whole, you know, the whole world or that whole area on the map yeah. is going to be healed by that book, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, you need that. Um, is there an aspect of your world that you like the most? One of the places, and I, I had the most fun writing it. I think that's why it sticks out to me. There's a wooded area that's almost like, they're not, I'm trying to think actually if it compares to anything, because I guess the Avatar um, Avatar movie, how they lived in the trees, essentially. Oh, right. With the floating rocks and things like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the closest comparison. It's pretty poor, but um, there's a, there's a, a group of people that live within the trees and the, tr the protagonist meets them and they're, they're pretty closed off from the rest of the country um, because they don't really delve into magic they don't know too much about it they can't use it um so they've always just their people have lived in the woods and built these huts in the trees and everything so she ends up meeting them and working with them um, um to defeat one of these demon creatures that is attacking their woods so um building their world just because it was so different that really sticks out because the rest of it is pretty pretty normal by the book standards pretty normal um mm -hmm. environment and towns um but you get to that and it's sort of like oh this is very primal this is very different than what we had been reading so that that sticks out to me the most oh nice <laughs> is there is there an aspect of your world that you like the least I wouldn't say that I like any the least. I would say that I haven't just taken the time to explore. So one of the places, um, there's a fishing city along the coast to the south that I mentioned a few times, but it's, it, you know, nothing nothing special really it's just okay. oh there's there's a town there are these people from here this these people have passed through and and that's about it so i think mm -hmm. i could really expand on that a lot more but again when the plot doesn't take place in those 
those locations, you just sort of forget them or they get brushed to the side. Sure. And, right. and again, that's something to work on with with world building and the story, making sure that that these places are addressed and they're given attention so that they stick out in your mind as you're reading. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, let's talk about your characters and, and how you create and develop them because your your fiction is character driven. So what was your process when you when you came up with these characters and, and how you created them? A lot of the characters I base I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that I base them on people, but I, I take different uh, characteristics that I'm familiar with from myself um, and from people that I'm close to. So for example, my protagonist, when I started writing, it was, she was around my age. So I, I kind of could share her mentality a little bit, but I know for a fact, I took a lot of characteristics from my husband, as far as the determination, um, her kind of headstrong uh, willingness to go in and, and help and, and things like, I have to say the good things about him in case he listens to this. But <laughs> yeah, like, he should subscribe, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's, there's another character that I know I put my own character, my own personality into a little bit more as far as the sense of responsibility, um, taking on tasks to, to help other people, things like that. Of course, I have to say the good things about myself that I sure. put in, like right. I can't say the bad things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think I get a lot of that, the personal aspects into there. Um, when I develop the characters, because you want them to be different than each other obviously mm -hmm. but you don't want it to be almost like a character caricature sure um and that's i think a lot of people struggle with that because you read it and they're either black or white they're either right uh, you know just the most annoying person and then they get you know the development right away or they're just kind of bland and there's no no development you can't expect where the development's going to go um for example i have a i have a character he's a, a botanist He's a young botanist and um, he can't use magic or anything, but he's, he is an experience with combat. He's not a fighter or anything like that. So in the first few books, he's very timid. He's very, um, he doesn't approach conflict. And so he learns how to fight so that he can protect himself. Well, then later in the series, he actually goes kind of on his own adventure um, to combat some of the trouble that's, that's going on. And in a different country so uh you do have that room for development but you almost have to put your head into um into their body and say okay you know if, if i'm them right now how are they going to think how are they going to react to this how are they going to behave in you know these certain situations mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah certainly um yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's a big, that's a big story arc change for, for that character <laughs> from a botanist to a fighter going off to another country. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, which of your characters would you most like to have a drink with? Uh, probably the, there's the, um, the master mage who is the, he's one of the protagonists, but he's, he acts as a mentor for the main protagonist. Her name is Cora and his name is Byron. And um, he's a dark master mage and he ends up taking on all of these different responsibilities in order to protect his students. And then he ends up becoming a big part of, um, of the King's council and, and sort of helping them 
with the conflicts that arise. And so I think it would be really interesting to, to kind of pick his brain about how he approaches different situations or um, he is, he likes his drinks in the book too. So, you know, it'd probably just be a fun time to begin with. Um, but I think, I think we would get along the best and we really relate to each other the most. That's great. It's, it's really satisfying when characters take on a life of their own in a way when you, oh, yeah. you, cause you're, I mean, you know, you're creating, Oh, I lost you. There we are. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Because um, you know you're making these characters uh, out of your imagination and and what you intend them to be, and sometimes mm -hmm. they kind of take a life of their own. Like they end up oh, like yeah. you. You kind of know what they're gonna say, even though you kind of start them off. You like kind of get them in a, in a <laughs> direction, but they kind of do their own thing, and that's like a really wonderful kind of a moment, and um, that it just when these characters become real for you because then they some of them become like really fun to write you oh know, yeah because yeah. of that and and then do you find yourself like wanting to put characters together who normally who wouldn't be together <clears throat> excuse me just to see if you, what would happen sometimes yes um a lot of it has been established already um in the second book a lot of the because i i've eight main character eight characters in sort of the the circle besides the two I would consider them more of the protagonists um but they do interact in different situations and I think it's really fun when you have a series and not just um I've talked to a lot of authors who do one or two books and that if that's how you approach it that's great but I personally just having more than one or two books and you get to explore those different relationships, especially as time goes by, because my, my series takes place over like five or six years. So mm -hmm. you get to see them go from being, you know, these young adults or uh, new adults to actual adults in, mm -hmm. in their 20s, 30s, and how they do interact, how their relationships do develop, because there, there are a couple of romantic relationships, um, two of them with two of those main characters and it just works because you don't have to rush anything you don't have to um force them to behave a certain way just to just to meet right. meet your deadline or make ends meet however you want it to to end up um one of the relationships that i'm probably most proud of writing is um the female protagonist Cora is just kind of she's headstrong but she's also very um proud person she's a good fighter she's this powerful mage but she, she kind of thinks she owns the world because of that um and so she ends up meeting an uh, an assistant general and they fight and um you know they just kind of have this bitter relationship to start out with well by um you know this book that I'm in right now they kind of have a breakthrough and and you just sort of see how their relationship has developed into something that is based on loyalty between the two um so you have that time to develop them was that something that breakthrough in the relationship was that something that you intended from the get-go or did it kind of come come to you like you know this this seems like an organic uh, you know as things are progressing this is an organic progression of of the relationship 
it really did become that organic because I knew they wanted to be friends, but until you actually write the dialogue and, and you write the scenes that they're in together, um, you, you learn how much they, they care about each other, um, what, what they would do and what they would say for each other. Um, and those, those relationships. So you talk about the, the characters sort of coming to life. Well, in a way they do, as you're writing them, you realize, oh, like they do get along. Okay. Oh, that does sound good. Um, and then you look back on the older books and think, oh, wow, this, this, I never would have guessed, or this really developed into, into something special. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, yes, that, that's something I'm looking forward to over the course of time with, with my series as well is what's going to happen in book four and to these characters. Now, you know, the things that, because the change that happens to the characters in book one, you experience that in book two, like we're going to see how their lives are changed and what's going on with them is this change has made them better people or something. Um, and by book four, a lot more people are going to be affected by these, this, just pushing out of their uncomfortable uh, zones yeah. and um so we'll, we'll we'll see i have no idea what's going to happen but we'll find out <laughs> you know i like i can only focus on one book at a time um do you ever do any research for your books i know fantasy lends itself to you know we talked a little bit about that you know use the research with with fiction um <laughs> traditional fiction but sometimes with fantasy you can make it up wholesale and and i a friend of mine who writes fantasy writes fantasy because she doesn't want to do any research at all so but do you do research for your books and if so what kind sometimes a lot of the research comes from um the military or army numbers or proper terms to use just because that's something I'm, I'm not familiar with and you wouldn't think that it would matter until someone points it out and says well you know that that wouldn't make any sense um I there's uh battle between the kingdom and I didn't have any idea about numbers I'm like oh you know there might be a couple hundred people there and as I was reading it to my husband he said there's only a couple hundred for like this whole entire country that like I, I don't think you understand what <laughs> what it's supposed to be or what the terms are and things like that so I think having that feedback is is so important just because there are things that you might not think about um, or that you might have a different term for. Um, so that's one of the, the places where I, research was necessary just to look and make sure that the terms were correct and that the numbers were correct and um, everything lined up in a way. And you can be a little loose with um, some of the some of the terms, I suppose. Um, I talk about how the kingdom has generals um, that lead these different groups. And I just break it down very simply. So they're, you know, the generals, their assistants, mm -hmm. and then have everyone else below that. So right. you can make whatever you want it to be, but obviously yeah. you want to make it as accurate, uh, sure. as you can when talking about the numbers and supervising however many soldiers or mages and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You could make up any term that you want to use for that role. Um, and as, I think as long as the system works, as long as it's consistent within itself, okay. you know, there, that, I think that's part of the fun with, with fantasy is just coming to accept something as reality, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, these, these horses can turn into uh, trees. Okay. You know, <laughs> or whatever. Right. It's like, yeah, sure. Okay. I'll accept that. Um, you know, that's just kind of part of, 
part of what it, the kind of wonder about it. You just like, yeah, why not? You know, hobbits. Yeah, yeah of course they have big yeah. feet. You know, um, <laughs> so no, that's good. That's good. Do you have a favorite time of day to write? Oh, definitely. I'm a morning writer. Uh, I I'm more active and productive in the morning anyway, just because I think after I wake up, your brain's ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, and then once once I sit down and go, I mean, I can just write all morning. Um, but after that, for some reason, you know, you you eat or you eat supper or you work out and then you sit down and you just mm -hmm you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm tired now. Right. I'll get, I'll get to it a different time. Sure. Um, so definitely mornings. mornings yeah. are the <laughs> I find myself a morning writer at the, at, as well because of those same reasons. Sometimes yeah. I'll like, I'll be really excited and I'll write till like lunch to like one o'clock and I'm like, Oh, I gotta have some lunch. And, and then after I eat, I'm like, uh, <laughs> do I really, do I really want to go back? <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> yes. I, I, I completely get that. Um, when you when you write, do you have any particular? Do you like listen to music or have distractions like television, or do you need it silent? Um, and if you do listen to music, what kind do you listen to? I think it depends a lot on the situation, um, because I will sometimes listen to music to set the mood. So I've talked about how if I am building a scene and that's in my head already, I'll listen to music to kind of again, mm -hmm. to make me feel whatever sparks that emotion. So yeah. um, I, I have a very diverse playlist of, of just music. So I like um, soundtracks from video games or movies. Um, mm -hmm. I'll use that. Sometimes I'll listen to rock or metal music if it's, mm -hmm. you know. You got a battle coming up. You want to put on some Slayer. I get it, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so um, it just, it depends when I'm coming up with a scene. When it comes to actually sitting down and writing, um, I don't like to have music on most of the time. If I do, then it would just be something on like a half hour playlist where you mm -hmm. can just tune it out. Um, yeah. I, I've found that if the TV's on or um if there's you know people walking in and out of the building something like that it, it just pulls you out of mm -hmm. out of your your focus zone um when i'm editing a lot of times i'll listen to music just because it helps with making it go a little more fluidly mm -hmm. um if i don't have music then it's so easy to just stop and overthink a sentence mm -hmm. or a word and and then you lose your concentration so yeah. in in those cases where you just want to see the general overall story overall paragraph or chapter then i think music helps get your mind into that space yeah. and then in the editing depending on the parts of the process the creative process whether you know drafting is a different animal than revision than it is with editing <laughs> you know than proofreading and um no i totally get it and i, I i'm i'm very much similar to you the different types of music i listen to i got about seven or eight thousand tracks on my writing playlist <laughs> Um, and depending on the genre that I'm writing. Um, so with the cozy mystery, one of the things I have in, in the town, um, there's a character who is an autistic young, uh, is a young man, maybe a late teenager who plays thirties music. Cause he loves music from the thirties. Cause I love music from the thirties. So I thought I want a little radio station in this town. Yeah. Um, and so I'll put on Lionel Hampton or other music from the thirties. Nope. No words. I just want music. Um, and Lionel Hampton's a vibraphone player, and I just love that. So that kind of puts me in this kind of a happy place that kind of keeps this almost like the sense of 
um, anachronist, uh, anachronistic feel where the town's kind of, I won't say stuck in time, although that could be work with the theme, but there are mm -hmm. elements where it's like there's a, the gas station has pumps that were there from the 1970s and there's that phosphate shop that's been there forever. And that's just part of the charm. I think that these pieces are there and they don't necessarily need to change, you know? <clears throat> and so that music kind of helps me get there. Um, and um, but like when I wrote my, my pulp uh, horror adventure, book um it takes place in the early 30s it's my homage to the phantom i don't know if you're familiar with that character that's an early pulp hero who lived uh in this jungle and um was an adventurer fought pirates you know really cool character and so i my pulp horror homage had um takes place on and near haiti in the 1930s so i wanted voodoo and zombies and things like that so i found voodoo music to listen to and wow. um, I just listened to that for a month, just incessantly <laughs> all day, you know, yeah. so much that I, I worried my wife sometimes. Oh. <laughs> I think you might need to listen to something else. Like, no, <laughs> you know, I've got five more hours of writing I want to do today. <laughs> but that really helped me get into that feel like I was in that time space, you know. So right. I, I totally, I totally get that. <laughs> need for music um, as, a, as a distraction for part of my brain, which allows the creative part to do what it's got to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, how often do you write? I try and write every day. It'll, it'll depend on how I'm doing editing wise. So this past month I had been doing the final, final edits um, for my third book before it's, it's released. Um, and I didn't really have any time to write just because I spent so much time going over, you know, the 400 pages, however many pages um, with that fine tooth comb and making sure everything, everything made sense. And then you get all the publishing, uh, making sure everything is uploaded and formatted correctly and yada, yada. So I didn't have too much time to, to write then. Um, but previously in what I'm getting back into, I try and write, um, a thousand words a day mm -hmm. and I will try and edit three to five pages of okay. what I have completed. Okay. Yeah. I, that's, so you're doing both. You're trying to write and edit at the same time. Oh, same, yeah. the same, like different projects, editing one project, writing another. Yep. Yep. Okay. Different. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, right. I, I, uh, I, I, I applaud you for that. Um, I, I can only focus on one thing at a time, like writing wise, like the drafting and then editing, and it's gotta be kind of a complete, but like three quarters of the way into a draft, the next book is starts talking to me. Like, when you, <laughs> hey, when are you gonna start writing me? You know, yeah. like, I'm waiting for you, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm bored with the, with the book I'm writing. Like, I'm ready for it to be done. Like, I know how it's gonna end. I've played it through a thousand times in my mind. I just want it over, you yeah. know? And it's, a, it's like, it's not that I resent it, but just like, I've told the story so much in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, just, I just, I just can't get my fingers to go fast <laughs> enough. Just tell the thing, tell it, you know? Um, no, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's great. That's funny. Can you tell me how you felt seeing your book in print for the first time? Oh gosh, it was such a, a surreal experience. Um, 
I did things a little differently with my first book because I had gone through a, a local publisher to help with um, sort of putting it together and, and with the editing and the cover design and everything. So they had printed out 50 copies for me. So I got this big box in first of all, and you open it and you just kind of hold it. And it, it, it's almost, you just sort of don't know what to do with it because, <laughs> because you'd read it so many times, you've seen right. the cover so many times that you're like, okay, well, here it is. You know, now what, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, and so it's like it, giving it, some it, of them a box of puppies, like <laughs> what? Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, then you jump into the next, the marketing side of it, which yeah. is so much fun and such a such a learning experience. Um, going to to start and to get rid of, you know, get rid of those books that you have sitting around now, um, and and telling everyone. I actually I never told my family or friends or anything that I was writing until I was just about to publish. Um, and so it, it came as a surprise to a lot of people and it, it, they were very supportive. Um, so it was just a lot of fun because they all, you know, they all wanted a copy and sure. your signature and everything. So um, then I, I went through and, and got to mail those out. So every time there's, I get a new book in, it, it just is sort of that surreal, like, oh my gosh, this is, I, I wrote this. This is okay. Well, now what do I do? Okay, well, <laughs> right. on to the next book, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's all those different aspects the marketing, um, like, do you, do you ever like do book shows or well, how do you find yourself selling your books in person? Is that, um, what, what kinds of things have you done? A lot of the marketing, I think a lot of what I've been doing has been limited just because of, of the pandemic. And I know a lot of people have, yeah. have mentioned, um, in-person events and things like that. And I would like to do those, um, probably within the second half of this year, I thought about um, going in and doing, being present at bookstores and mm -hmm. um, having them there. But with only, you know, a couple books within the last year, it was sort of, okay, well, let's just, let's just get some sort of books out there. Let's just kind of build up your name, build up your presence a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really what I've, I've been doing. And I started out the year pretty, pretty strong, pretty hard with that, um, making up a, a brand, getting the website all set, um, getting a, a link with all the purchase, all of my information on it for social media, um, getting, you know, TikTok and making videos and ju just getting your name out there a little bit more. And so now that I have the third book out and hopefully the fourth one out, I'm aiming for the summer. It it's helps to have that already established a little bit. Um, so I'm hoping to do more in-person events, but a lot of it has just been with family and friends at the moment sure. and then starting to get it going online. Yeah. That, there is something fun to that. I haven't done one since the pandemic. Um, I'm hoping yeah. to get out later this year. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. You know, right now I don't make any plans. It's, yeah. um, but it is, it is kind of amazing when people like look at your books and they decide to buy one and that, you know, they ask you to sign it or personalize it. It's, it, there's something very special about that transaction, you know? Um, and sometimes the, the circuit that I was doing with the, the group that I was uh, was in, they organize events like every week during the year, you can go, you know, 
40 some weeks a year they they're doing craft and craft fair shows and all kinds of things and then and i thought this is a really good cross-section of, of people and people bringing making things and what i found really kind of exciting or wonderful was that early on i would do shows and, and like a few months later i would come back and the people who had um bought my book had wanted to come back or they were at saw me again excuse me on the sneeze <laughs> sorry oh excuse me Bless you. Building, yeah, this this like cold snap we're getting is like wreaking havoc on my sinuses. I can I can hear it now. Um, they came um, they came up to my table and told you know wanted to tell me that, that they liked the book and and oh. that was just really special you know like they, yeah. they don't have to do that. I mean you know no one's making them do that and so i hope you have that opportunity to go out and sell in a public setting and and multiple shows and and have people there and exciting that it's just um it's really rewarding i hope that you get a chance to do that thank you thank you and like you said it just it's a crazy time right now so mm -hmm. certainly so certainly mm -hmm. have you ever read your own work like a year or more after you've published it and if so what what was that experience like oh well the first my first book i published a little i was january of 2021 so it was a little over a year ago and i still look back at it sometimes i'll just flip open a random page and and just read and think okay you know i know exactly what i was thinking when i wrote this you can kind of pinpoint different parts that you had looked at and where you were and what you were thinking at the time. Um, I had actually gone through it and done a second edit for a second edition of it. And I did the same thing with um, with the sequel as well, just because I had illustrations to add. I, I had a hardcover version of the second book with illustrations and an illustrated cover um, because I, I had set that up beforehand so i've been reading through those uh, multiple times last year and it was just each time again you kind of think of of those those different details of where you were and mm -hmm. oh you, this is going to get hinted at later or um it, i think that really helps too when you are later in the series just as as you consider those callbacks, um, you can look at at the details, make sure everything is lined up correctly. Um, and, the continuity is important. Right, right. Yeah. And how you want to plan going forward uh, with different storylines that you had, mm -hmm. had started. Uh, that's interesting um, that that you have all so much total recall of being in the moment and writing and what you were thinking at the time. Um, you're actually the only person I've I've talked to, I've asked that question to, who's had that response, um, which is which is great. I, I I love that. Everyone else has been like me. But my experience was, it was very weird. Like I know I wrote this because I was the one writing, but I don't recall. I don't remember writing it for the oh, most yeah. part. Like I'm looking at these words, like and some of these passages, like they catch me by surprise. Like wow, that's that's not bad. I'm like. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you know? And then I'm waiting for the cringe factor to come in. And when it like doesn't really come in as much as I fear, like, oh God, I don't want to look at this. Um, yeah. And it's not there. I'm like, oh, really? This isn't so bad. You know, that was because I had to, 
it had been such a long time between my first cozy and my sequel because I've written three other books in between okay. um, different genres splatter western that was my second book I mean I had to go from cozy to splatter western like to say look here's a range I don't yep. want Kathy Bates hobbling me saying you better write another <laughs> cozy Mr. Man um, so I had to say look I'm not a cozy mystery writer splatter western's more my thing um, but by the time I came back to the sequel I, I, I like I had forgotten so much about the first book like I had forgotten character names and like I don't I know the story but like I, I, so I had to I had to read it again and I always keep it on my on my computer like when my when I'm writing my screens divided into three I've got my outline on the left my work in progress my drafting in the middle and on my right I've got my first book so I can go back and like search like how oh, does this what does this person look like or how does this person talk or what do they like to wear you know yeah um but it was a weird experience reading that book and and there were passages and lines that came forth like god i just i don't remember writing that at all <laughs> and um it was just a very surreal out of body it's like when you're dreaming that you see yourself in your dream yeah. you know you're floating around here and like you're watching yourself do stuff it, it was a really really weird <laughs> uh just a, just a few more questions here um sure. what is your writer fantasy you mean in your ultimate author. dream of dreams if you have a fantasy as a writer like okay i'm a writer and and what's the what's the biggest thing you can fantasize about being a writer like level of success or what is it that you want like your ultimate writer fantasy this is what it would be oh gosh i would really like to just be able to um i've had a really good past year believe it or not um just because as far as work goes i've been fortunate enough to work from home <clears throat> excuse me and so a lot of what i had been doing was i work throughout the day sporadically when i needed to and then i'd be able to write in the morning edit in the morning i was at home you know especially with my husband being in school taking him up to campus bringing him home you know making making dinner and lunch and stuff like that and cleaning and everything that needs to be done too um i also started doing a lot of arc reading for different authors and i i really enjoyed that and being able to um review i i did a couple of beta reads too um to critique and give feedback um so that was really fun i guess that would be ideal uh, as a writer to where my life would be comfortable enough it would be stable enough both you know emotionally financially um physically to where i could just be able to do writing every day at least a piece um yeah i think <laughs> to be able to make a living yeah from that it's not something i, I think about yeah. too often well not even, not even making a living too just mm. being able to well i guess that a lot of that falls on my husband don't tell him but okay. um, <laughs> just being able to have that stability with within myself sure. to where I, I would feel comfortable okay in, whether it is in between work um, whether it is in between having a family, things like that, mm -hmm. I would be able to make time for writing and make progress on it. Okay. Yeah. I've always had that, you know, you, the stories about the writer going to the cabin or the place of isolation to write, yeah. you know, I've always been appealed to me and I always <laughs> wanted to be uh, in a, um, a lighthouse, you know, like the movie, the oh. fog, 
And I yeah. thought that would be the ultimate, like, even though I always fantasize when the lottery gets to be of some obscene amount, I'm thinking, yeah, I should play 20 bucks. And what if I win a half, you know, $500 million? Like, I'm going to build this house with a tower, you know? Oh, it looks like a, oh, yeah, just a lighthouse, just so like I can look out over the lake. And yeah, I'll just have that sense I'm in a lighthouse and no one's going to bother me and I could just write, you know? <laughs> I know that's, there's something that I find very appealing to that sense of isolation. I guess it's, I guess it'll tell me like, okay, Mark, you've got no excuses now. You better start putting right. out, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who wants to write? My biggest piece of advice has to be to just write for yourself. You see a lot, especially in the market when talking about making money or getting picked up by an agent or a publisher, you're getting all these big name authors and a lot gets tweaked in that whole process. Um, whether it's the cover, whether it's through the editing, whether it's through the plot or the characters, whatever it may be. A lot of times you'll hear different feedback or criticism, constructive or not, where people want you to add. I mean, we just talked about it with the relationships and, and the mm -hmm. characters. Right. People will give their opinions. They'll tell you what they want to hear. And if you give into a lot of that, you're going to lose what was originally yours. And so I think for a lot of people who picked writing up as a hobby, it, um, it just is so important not to lose that sense of self in, in your writing. So you write when you want to write, you write what you want to write. Um, you should obviously be doing research and learning more about, more about the whole process, uh, whether it is publishing, editing, or just general writing, but never lose your sense of self when you're writing. Never forget why you started writing. That's good advice. That's um, like one of the few things I take from Stephen King because he essentially says the same thing, write for yourself. It doesn't matter who your audience is or your editor, anybody, um, publisher, right? You got to make yourself happy. And yep. and at the end of the day, um, you know, most of my academic writing I had done was always to for some further end. So mm -hmm. when I started writing movie scripts first and then long fiction, it was about, I want to make myself happy. I want to just, you know, and that's, that happiness came about on my second book because um, it was finally, I think the first time I felt truly free as a writer, like uh -oh. I am saying everything I want to say in the way that I want to say it. And I wasn't, not that I didn't enjoy writing the cozy mystery because I found that as a challenging, but I also really kind of found the genre rather charming. And it was an exercise that I am, I'm writing something I would, there's no one to get their head cut off. There's like nothing horrible here, you know? And um, so that as a writer was like really exciting in a way to write about yeah. things I would never have written about before people in touch with their emotions and, and doubt and all these like real life stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, no, I, I totally get that. And, and once you've, once you've done that sense of writing because you, you're writing for yourself, you don't ever want to like stop or go back, you know, so like, yeah, I yeah. agree. That's really, it's good advice. Um, we've talked about your, your work in progress. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're working on? Uh, so, not by the Royal Bee, like, I'm not, uh, I mean, everybody listening, watching. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, well, currently I 
just finished publishing the third book this past week and I'm going to start editing the fourth book. I have the fourth and the fifth and about half the sixth written. So I'm trying to finish my goal for the year is to finish writing the sixth book and I'm debating on whether to continue it. I think that's a hard part as an author is learning when, when to end it and, and to let them, let them go and live their own, their own life. So, um, for right now, it's just writing the sixth book, getting that series pretty much wrapped up for the most part. And then I'd like to continue on with, uh, a different story within the fantasy genre. I have a couple of ideas. I'm debating whether or not to start, um, two of them involve shapeshifters. And so that could be a little fun. It would be something different than what I have been writing. Um, another one would be a little more, a little relatable to the current series that I'm writing where it would be a, a separate fantasy world with a little less, you know, fire magic involved, mm. things like that, like straight up magic. Um, a little bit more with uh, different races and creatures and, and diving down that road and working on that open world um, and crafting an open world. I like that. The shapeshifters, are they like lycanthropes? Are we talking werewolves or can they shape into other things? Or do you know, or, or do I, do I, I don't want to like, I don't want to spoil anything, you know, <laughs> if there's a secret. Um, so the one idea I had actually would have to do more with an Android type creature where it would and again i'm still kind of fuzzy on the detail i haven't considered sure. it too much um but one of the things they would do would be able to do is a shapeshift into just generally any animal um the second okay. idea would be something sort of like lichens where it would be uh a almost a dual person personality um of a character where they would just be able to shift into one animal so there are there are lichens there are um family that would turn into wolves and then there's um one of the characters would turn into a cougar one of them an eagle so just kind of one yeah. specific shapeshift idea i think i okay. could have a lot of fun talking about about how the transformations would go and that one would be a little more relationship romantic relationship based mm -hmm. right. um, if i do want to you know cave in and delve into that but uh like you said you know it might just happen yeah. sometimes when you dive into what you don't enjoy reading and yes it's, it's kind of happens sometimes <laughs> right um yeah i would i recommend the movie lady hawk if you've not okay. seen it or heard of it it's a it's a fantasy movie from the 80s um it, it involves a characters who can they turn into animals okay. um they're 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 lovelorn they they love each other but they can't be together because one turns into an animal in the daytime and one turns one into the night okay. <laughs> so oh, it's yes yeah, so um, that's Lady something Hawk. that okay. Lady Hawk, right? Okay. Um, you might enjoy that. Um, is there anything else you would like to promote? Um, I don't think. I guess I can plug myself a little bit. I do have sure. a newsletter I started this year. I'm developing, so if anybody's interested in in following along with what I'm working on, I also put different um, <clears throat> aspects of my writing into it. So I. Um, I should come up with a name, like an author's corner, some sort of name for it, but yeah. um, just behind the scenes um, 
changes that I've made if seen turned out differently or a character turned out differently, I'll I'll make a note of that just to show people different fun facts about the series and how it how it developed and changed. I like that. I like the aspect seeing this is my original idea and I I, I might change. I, yeah, that right. I can see readers loving that. Um, so I do, I do have a newsletter that goes out monthly. Um, I do have a website, lillardbooks.com, where you can sign up for that. I also have the illustrations posted on their excerpts available for all three books, as well as their summaries. And I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. So um, anybody can find me there. I post a lot of different, uh, I'm sure you've seen, I post a lot of different memes and uh, different clips and reels and things like that, just to keep up and keep people entertained nice and and is that where we can find your books on your website or where else can we find them i have a link in my bio for um instagram and tiktok that will take you to um where they are available they're available on barnes and noble and amazon are the two um major realtors that i recommend and they're available digitally digitally um they're available on kindle unlimited and the physical and well hard hard and soft cover available oh. mm -hmm. the hard covers is a nice option that that kdp is doing mm -hmm. and um That's nice. yeah i was in the beta program for that mine didn't turn out so great so i didn't think i would probably do it but it, i think things have tweaked um then changed in that program but it's still a nice option maybe to get maybe five or ten very special books like to give to your readers or something you know very yeah. special because yeah. they're a little pricier but it's nice mm -hmm. so Courtney, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show today. This has been a real pleasure to get to know you and to, to learn all about your writing and your characters and your worlds. And this, was, this was great fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate learning about your world, too. It's always interesting hearing about a different genre author and how they come up with the stories and, and their writing process, too. Oh, thank you. It, it's uh, it's been great, and I'll be happy to share anything if if uh, if you're up for a book swap, I would be happy to to send some stuff to you. And if you have something you'd like to send, you're you're more than welcome. Um, that that'd be nice. I always like reading other people's work too. I can't always get to it. Uh, you know, life's crazy and busy, and um, yeah. but it's just nice to know, like, yeah, I've got a free day. I want to go check this person's <laughs> work out. You know, just to kind of look through it. You know. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm going to do my commercial, and then we'll get out of here. Sure. You've been watching and listening to Between the Lines. You can listen to us on unsaneradio.com, listen to full episodes, or download to your device. You can watch us on our YouTube page, Between the Lines Podcast. That's where you're at right now. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who would like our show, tell them about us. If you're a writer and would like to join me for a chat, email me at betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. That's betweenthelines54 at yahoo.com. And here's my cheesy outro. See you next time, Between the Lines. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>